Chapter Eight of The Pathway of the Pioneer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Pathway of the Pioneer by Dolph Willard. Chapter Eight. Then good night, alas, from ill hap, who shall stay thee? Hector Berlioz, La Damnation de Faust. The drab morning stole into the drab bedroom, day after day, and week after week, and month after month which threatened to vanish in a dwindling aspect of drab-coloured years and each day the light that was not sunshine found the same aspects there was a certain amount of cheap furniture that made up the necessities of civilization and gave that inexpressibly unhomelike atmosphere to the room peculiar to small bedrooms in cheap boarding-houses there were two worn trunks giving a restless suggestion of someone who had no real abiding place in the world and there was a grim uniformity of colouring that was yet not so much colour as the effect that everything had been toned by a london fog until it became one nondescript shade even the few personal belongings which winnie dared to leave about two maids had been dismissed for petty theft merely accentuated the original discomforts and made her long for more settled quarters and a safer occupation she had lived in boarding-houses for three years and had seen the type in which such lives develop sometimes she looked at her thin rosy face in the glass and shuddered to remember the elderly females with the covetous eyes following a dish round the table and never speaking save of food or material comfort there comes a time in such women's existences when their blunted senses are incapable of understanding anything but some mean and petty advantage the morning always found winnie in bed her fine nose generally buried in the pillow as if she would fain cling to that refuge for those destitute of waking joy and her face was the face of a good child when she slowly opened her eyes from trained habit at seven o'clock they fell on the long blank window draped with limp muslin curtains whether it were winter or summer and if the day were clear she saw a section of long grey street without the dirty stucco on the other side of the way sheltering other lives whose background was the counterpart of her own boarding-house it made her sick to think of it at last the bewildering desert of homes that were not homes the board and lodging grudgingly paid for and regarded with suspicion by those who thought that they were not getting their money's worth to the last farthing change this was her life this would always be her life breakfast was at eight because more workers than winnie had to get to offices in the city she was always down in time the one bright pretty thing to look at in the dingy dining-room where the slipshod table offered her greasy bacon and inferior marmalade kippers being sometimes a harrowingly salt alternative winnie's rose-hued face and hazel eyes sparkled in lieu of the silver that was never polished and her skin was as clean as the tablecloths were soiled it was small wonder that the masculine element present was drawn to blink at her brightness as the lower animals blink at the sun but it did not add to her popularity with the elderly spinsters whose memories haunted her in the looking-glass 
if winnie's livelihood had not been so precarious she would have started rooms on her own account not furnished apartments such as alma endured between tours but attics such as flares only brightened with winnie's own bright personality but sheer necessity drove her into living as she might best gauge her expenditure the hard sum paid down week by week being at least on the safe side of allowing no temptation to overstep the margin she had found it a hideous life but she saw no least expectation of it being changed for a better alternative unless there were three young men in the boarding-house whose manners and appearance would have recalled dick to frank peyton's mind a townified dick without the honesty of rough hair a dick who wore paper collars and horrible ties a worse version in fact of the dick who had called upon her in london winnie had started by being amused by the attentions paid her by these gentlemen and her amusement was so genuine that it would have been difficult to restrain her irresistible laughter even if she had not felt sure that their assurance would weather a storm of ridicule had they divined it the actual effect however had been that each youth thought himself especially smiled upon and vied with his rivals to be the more facetious it was a humour of which even as a misunderstood comedy winnie wearied in six weeks she had been enduring it now for six months and the sickening flow of vapid buffoonery was becoming one with the sickening monotony of the long grey street and the long grey life ahead of her good morning fair maiduen was usually the greeting she received from one of her admirers at which jocular speech his companions glared as at one who had stolen an unfair advantage and the other women present tried to stare winnie out of countenance good morning she returned rather absently the smile round her lips a little mechanical by her plate lay a rough envelope addressed in a bold masculine scrawl she put it quietly aside to read later not here with these prying vicious eyes upon her i think i heard you come in last night miss dare said a lady sitting opposite to her on whom the bitterness of the overdrawn tea seemed to be taking effect about half-past twelve was it not i was going to ask you to shut your door quietly when you are so late if you don't mind my room is below yours and i sleep so lightly it had been one of nuzotra's meetings and winnie was conscious that the ill-natured speech was pure invention i was in before eleven miss jones she said quietly looking the speaker full in the face but in her heart she cursed the littleness of her sex and still more the dreadful life that had distorted kindly womanhood to this it would be her life her probable degeneration also in the long grey years passed in the long grey street she was glad to leave for the station and go off to her work even though it meant going out from the warm stuffy house into the cheerless outside world at this time in the morning of bleak april the day did not feel aired and winnie shivered as the spiteful wind met her round corners and blew dust into her eyes she felt that the weather was a harder trial to a woman's looks 
than the most undoubted beauty could stand it made her feel plain to begin with and she thought angrily that girls were not meant for the unloveliness of daily work the train was full of men who had learned to know her by sight and threw covert glances at the slight graceful figure winnie was built like a frenchwoman full-busted long-waisted with sloping shoulders and a certain alluring look of sex that suggested a quality utterly foreign to her but as she did not bear her character drawn up and signed hanging round her neck she misled the city gentry one or two of whom actually dawdled past the third-class carriage where she sat awaiting the least encouragement to enter though they held first-class season tickets and winnie knew it she set her straight back against the uncushioned carriage and glared at them the anger in her heart seeming to concentrate itself against that unread letter which she had thrust into her breast though there was little need to keep it warm she felt the blood in it beat through the envelope and when she drew it out to read it it seemed a red-hot thing under whose scorch and shame she sat curiously passive wondering if the honest working men who crowded the third class with her guessed that the woman sitting next to them was asked to be perhaps they had daughters of her age what would they have done to the man who proposed this yet she did not tear up the letter with its passion and appeal to her to leave the long grey life and the grey world she knew and to taste at least once of being happy she read it calmly almost smiling over the faintness of his description of the colourless existence she led compared with her actual experience joyless toneless sordid he used dim-sounding adjectives but what could he really know of the long grey day that began and ended in the long grey street until the leaden sky seemed battened down over her head the very necessities of winnie's nature were sunshine and colour and excitement she had gone without them all through the long winters and brief summers of the best years of her life until she shuddered to look forward and hated to look back i must breathe she said desperately as she hurried from the train to her office and the city streets pressed her on either side with a strip of colourless flavourless heaven to roof them in what hope could lurk beneath such iron skies a line of flares floated up across her memory and seemed to interpret her soul's cry the worst of flares work was that as she acknowledged it was generally bad all but two lines but those two lines had a trick of haunting the minds of nusotra who were her most constant readers what hope could lurk beneath such iron skies i must breathe once in my life i must have fresh air and colour and sun and be well fed and clothed said winnie and her laughter at herself was half hysterical i believe i would sell half my life for a series of good dinners she turned sick at the thought of yesterday's badly cooked joint as a worse cooked rechauffe at the boarding-house in the office the grey day made a grey twilight the lamps were already alight over winnie's table where sole feminine thing amongst a dozen male 
she held unwilling court if the clerks chose to persecute her the typewriter of a certain class of city firms should start with blunted susceptibilities as part of her equipment worse even than the clerks when he found those in authority the managers and partners of her doubtful situation mr jenkins the gentleman who admired her figure it may be remembered was waiting for her as she came in five minutes late miss dare he said jocularly i have been waiting for you i am very sorry the train was late said winnie briefly hanging up her hat and slipping out of the neat coat that was too thin for the cold spring winds well come into my office i have some work to explain to you for a minute the girl hesitated her desperate hazel eyes looking blindly across the ill-lighted place as if in search of succour there was none of course virtue is demanded of the girl who works in the city as a sine qua non and that she shall respect herself a vague phrase which if she keep it in its strictest sense she will in winnie's position assuredly lose her situation but on the other hand there is no certain reward even to virtue that it shall not at least touch pitch mr jenkins had a pink flower in his buttonhole as he stood in the dangerous doorway of his own private office smiling broadly in anticipated enjoyment winnie noticed the decoration and loathed malmaison roses from that day forth she followed her employer with her head drawn back and an urgent masculine letter burning against her heart to be safe from this to go no more with trembling limbs and braced nerves into such chances of insult the ill-omened name of a protector to a woman assumed a new mask of virtue in her eyes she came out half an hour later with tingling cheeks and eyes too hot for tears her arm was bruised too for she had struggled and flung herself against the hard angle of a polished secretaire she clenched her delicate thin hands i will not bear it i will go out of this life though death lies on the other side she said thank god i shall not go back to the long grey street to ill-bred men and women to yesterday's mutton any longer once i have said yes she sat there fierce and dry-eyed doing little work but seeing mentally the inevitable stages by which she had come to this grey day lengthening into grey week grey week to grey month until the grey years ended in a vista she could not face she left the office early that day careless whether her allotted work was all finished for she was not coming back not coming back the streets of the city felt as if the sun had never been there and a cutting wind stung her through and through more keenly than in the morning yet the thought of the underground railway was intolerable and she felt that her cheeks were brilliant with the fever that seemed to have seized her it was a long way to west kensington on the top of an omnibus but she was glad and not sorry for the bracing cold and travelled slowly with a curious wonder that she knew she should come the familiar way no more again as the busy streets gave way to the clearer roads that stretch out west the lumbering vehicle passed other omnibuses on the same route going east 
and winnie looked into the common jaded faces of the men and women riding outside like herself this was a class amongst which she had lived during the grey years behind her women who dragged their dirty frayed gowns and cheap finery up and down the omnibus stair men who smoked vile tobacco which floated into her face as she sat next or behind them and spat on to the floor those round her were of the same type for the better class had almost entirely disappeared at south kensington and as they neared the north end road those who still remained with winnie were dwellers in the small roads turning out of the larger thoroughfare she wondered if the fried fish shops whose very essence seemed to pollute the air supplied these people with unchanging suppers she had bought a paper in the city and had been listlessly turning its pages for something to do it chanced to be one of the gazettes and flair had had one of her rare acceptances in it for the verses amongst the notes were hers winnie read them before she realized their authorship and with flair's fatal gift for stabbing in the dark they voiced the cry that had been raging in her heart all day cry aloud and there was no voice neither any to answer grant us o god a little space to taste our honey on the tongue and meet our beauty face to face while we are young not much we ask a space to breathe to love thine earth and live among the flowers we have not time to wreathe while we are young a little while to look up straight into thine heaven serenely hung over our heads in purple state while we are young with all our songs untouched by tears with all our harps divinely strung unshadowed by thy marching years while we are young too soon thine ages sweep us down thy future has a shadow flung over our present with a frown while we are young leave one ideal without speck grant us one love that has not stung a few faiths god saved from the wreck while we are young before winnie got down from the omnibus she leaned over the seat before her and touched the driver on the shoulder would you like a paper she said with a fainter smile than usual he thought for he knew winnie by sight and like anything masculine he was attracted by the prettiness that fulfilled no strict canons thank you miss he said and then something in her face made him add it's a cold night as if no other reason could have frozen the hazel eyes and the stiff lips yes said winnie quietly she left the gazette behind her with relief but she could not give away the verses so easily grant us o oh god a little space to taste our honey on the tongue and meet our beauty face to face while we are young not much we ask a space to breathe flair was writing late that night for the impulse to work had taken her by the throat and the pen would not go fast enough she flung the wet sheets on to the floor as she finished them as her custom was and r l came and sat on them and smudged them thus rendering them still more illegible the impulse was running out 
and flare was conscious that she had time to look round and would be glad to breathe before she discovered him then she laughed and then turning her eyes to the doorway she uttered a cry winnie how long have you been there not long it has turned so wet i won't come in i'm dripping listen flare listened which she had not done for an hour and heard the throbbing of the raindrops against her window-pane and the occasional slash of it as it drove in sudden gusts that was why r l stayed in she said absently come in winnie don't be silly what do wet clothes matter will you have a change no a whisky and soda no flare looked at her friend's eyes and rose slowly her hands gripping the table what have you come to tell me she said i have come to say good-bye there was a pause while flare waited outside the rain made a monotonous tapping inside r l rustled the papers as he turned over with a sigh of content i can't bear it winnie's voice whispered across the still room but it did not seem to be winnie's the long grey streets and the long grey life flare i'm going away it may be only six months but i will live before i am dead and afterwards there will be no afterwards i shall never come back to throw myself on any one's mercy i didn't mean that said flare simply but one must consider one's people you have some haven't you and think of the identification if you flare's conventionality again oh i shan't go over westminster bridge said winnie with ghastly lightness there are other ways there is a submerged tenth you see yes i see said flare slowly she did not attempt argument or to detain her friend it is an unwritten law of nuzotra that they shall take their own pathway unhindered by their comrades once they have made up their minds hilda or magda might however have felt it incumbent on them to say more to try dissuasion but that was exactly why winnie came to flare you think it is worth while she said more slowly still oh how do i know winnie flung up her wild graceful head with real anguish in her restlessness all i know is that we can only be young once and i'm losing my youth day by day week by week with nothing that i want in it we only have one life flare it's worth staking everything on the dice when we throw for happiness of course if this is all said flare slowly if you are sure that this is all she paused and looked at winnie flare's religion lay so deep down at the roots of her nature that it hurt her to drag it up to the light of day and she always hesitated to give her convictions even to nuzotra then it's as well to get everything one can out of this life she said but if you think there is going to be another show and you may get a look in perhaps it is worth waiting for it winnie's eyes met hers hazily and she answered by a quotation that cut flare with unintentional reproach and there was no voice neither any to answer oh flare i have tried to give it up i wrote when i got home to-night and said i wouldn't come and it must all end and then i sat down and looked at the letter i felt as if i had put everything that made life worth living inside all the warm personality all the decencies of civilization that we call being a gentleman 
the association with just one man who not only cares for me but whose mind is sympathetic with my own and who doesn't offend my taste flair i thought it out and i knew i couldn't give it up there is nothing to take its place nothing flair turned away and began to gather up the loose sheets on the floor then you had better go she said dully suddenly winnie threw herself on her knees by the table and laying her head down on her arms began to cry flair did not attempt to touch her or even to go near her she went on collecting the sheets of manuscript gently moving r l to gather them together and listening all the time to the sound of the rain outside and the sobbing within the catch of winnie's shortened breath was as horrible as the feeling of impotence that numbed her she felt the wilderness of the world outside suddenly around her and as touching her and she realized that what winnie said was true she had nothing to take the place of the warm humanity she must give up if she were to be conventionally moral the world offered no compensation to the woman who walked with clean feet through the streets of experience it meant hard living and uncongenial work and associations which seemed to degrade if they could not defile it meant the handicap of being unable to compete with less scrupulous women in all outward show she had no comfort to offer winnie at last the kneeling figure rose and came to her still panting with those horrible sobs flair stood up and they faced each other are you going now she said yes i wired to him as i came to meet you yes will you say good-bye to the others for me oh yes said flair hopelessly she touched winnie's cold cheek and mechanically fastened her cloak for her you are wet she said will you have a hansom i can lend you some money no i would rather not the tears were still running down her face and flair stared at her stupidly with a sense she could not overcome that this was not winnie at all winnie always laughed flair had never seen her cry before an excruciating pain at her own heart began to take the place of the numbness it was a real physical pain that flair had suffered before after a shock of any kind and it distracted her attention she saw winnie turn from her however and cross the room quickly her cloak fluttering oddly as if there were a wind at the door she turned round again of necessity in opening it and showed flair her face not winnie's face at all but an abstract thing a type of all the past loneliness and dread and despair that had ever driven women to this as to an escape from their own selves her lips moved and she spoke from a long way off already though she was there on the threshold good-bye dearie the door closed and the light tread sounded tap tap on the steep stairs flair stood listening each painful breath telling more of the agony at her heart than in her numbed soul she pressed her clasped hands nervously over the pane and bent a little forward her attitude was mere endurance but it stood as well for listening winnie's feet died out on the stairs there was silence while she reached the hall silence until the house echoed to the shutting of the front door as she closed it after her for ever 
and so she went out into the darkness and the rain. End of chapter 8